We're going to continue today our series on the Ten Commandments. Today we're going to talk about the Fifth and the Sixth Commandments. Today I'm going to talk about the home and then the sacredness of life. But firstly today, before you turn to the Ten Commandments, I'd like you please to turn to the book of James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. James chapter 1, verses uh, 22 to 25. Book of James, that's in the New Testament. And this is a book on practical Christianity. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. The Bible says, if you just hear it, don't do it. It's not going to do you any good. In fact, it may do you a lot of harm. But the Bible says that the man who hears the word of God and does it is blessed in his deed. And the Bible talks about the law of God, and it doesn't call it a yoke of bondage, but the Bible calls the law of God, the Ten Commandments, the law of liberty. The law of liberty. The law of God is not for slaves, it's for men who understand and experience liberty. Jesus our Lord said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you what? The truth will make you free. And when a person comes to know Jesus, and when he comes to know the law of God, then that person finds a wonderful and a marvelous freedom. I've had the privilege, dear friends, of traveling to many, many different countries. I've traveled all through the Far East, been to China, Burma, all of those countries, been through them sometimes, many times. I've been through India, and all the countries of the Middle East, I've had the privilege of visiting all of the countries of the Middle East, including Iraq and Iran, and uh, I know those countries well. I've been through all of the European countries, not once, but several times. Been to Russia, of course, and Ukraine, and know the South Pacific pretty well. Been to Africa, North Africa, South Africa, and in between. As I've gone to these countries, I have seen things that have caused me to form certain undeniable conclusions. I've gone to countries and I have watched women, this isn't Europe, I've watched women get down on their knees and do the laundry in the middle of the streets. Seen this? Seen them washing their clothes in the water that runs in the gutters. I've been to countries where even today if a husband dies, there's a fair chance that his wife will be buried with him, burned with him. Doesn't often get into Western newspapers, but it happens. I've been to places where I've seen the great turtles. This is a very so-called civilized place, but it's a pagan country. I've seen the great fat turtles. They're fat because little baby girls are tossed in there. Been to places where women are simply 
beasts of burden. I meet people who believe in women's liberation. I do too, Christian liberation. But let me tell you something. Those people are continually criticizing the Bible and Jesus. But Jesus and the teachings of the Bible have brought more liberty to the world and to women than anything else. Yes, but I've gone to countries where women are nothing. I've gone to Middle Eastern countries where, ladies, the wife walks a good four paces behind. She can't drive a motor car because she's not considered good enough to drive a motor car. I've been to countries where most of the people seem to be sick and hungry. I've been to countries where little children are out on the streets as beggars and they're blind. And when I made some inquiries, I discovered that their parents, because of their poverty and because of their paganism and their heathenism, when the little children were babies, got cockroaches and put the cockroaches over their eyes and put bandages around so the cockroaches ate out their eyes so their children would be beggars. I've had people come up to the side of my car and kick on the door they couldn't stand because they were so frightfully deformed with their legs behind their backs up over their necks. I said, what disease? Their parents did it to them to teach them so they could become burgers. I've been to other countries that are the very opposite. I've been to countries that are filthy. I've been to countries where people, pardon my telling you this, simply squat down and relieve themselves in the streets in view of everybody without any shame. There are no toilets. I've seen mothers picking their way through heaps of filth 20 feet high, picking out little pieces of rice from human manure to feed to their children. And people say it doesn't matter what you believe. What you believe is what determines what you'll be. Then I've been to other countries where there's no litter in the streets. I've been to countries that are so clean that you could eat your food off the streets. I've been to countries where the farms are clean and prosperous. And there's virtually no crime. And I say to myself, what makes the difference? In the countries that are filthy and dirty and poverty-ridden, they have one thing in common, a total disregard for the God of heaven and the law of God. And the countries that are the most prosperous are the closest to God and to his word. Now, I recognize today that there is no such thing as a Christian country, but there are some countries that are closer. And the closer they are, the cleaner they are, and the better they are. And I can tell you other stories. I have been part to parts of these great United States where I have seen filth and degradation and sickness and every unspeakable sin. And there is a reason for it. 
There is a reason for it. We reap what we sow, generally speaking. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Happy are the people who obey the commandments. Jesus said, I've come. He said this in John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life, that they may have it how? More abundantly. Moses stood there before the children of Israel and he said, I've set before you life and death. He said, if you obey the law of God, blessed will be your basket, blessed will be the fruit of your womb. One of you will chase a thousand if you obey the law of God. He said, but if you turn from the law of God, you'll say, would to God, would to God, it was morning in the evening. And in the evening you'll say, would to God it were morning. He said, the heavens over your head are going to be brass. The Bible teaches, happy are the people who obey the law of God. Let me say a word to those people who say that the commandments of God are a yoke of bondage. <laughs> the commandment that says, you shall not murder is a yoke of bondage only to the murderer. <laughs> but the person, my friend, who knows God, the commandments of God are not a yoke of bondage, but they are commandments to uplift. They are rules for the free. Don't ever join forces with antinomians. Antinomianism is widespread today. It is summed up in the little word, free from the law, oh happy condition, sin all you like, and then get remission. And because of antinomianism, which permeates the world today, we have sown to the wind, and we are reaping the whirlwind. Today, commandment number five, and then number six, please turn to the Decalogue, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12. Exodus chapter 20, is everybody feeling good today? Mm. Can't you see I'm in good form today? Get me two angels a week and I'll be like this every Sabbath. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. You know there's solid silver, Norm. Next time get a solid gold once. Exodus 20, verse 12. Uh, incidentally, uh, the angel awards are not just given to religious people like us. Uh, the one that won the angel's award for the best uh, uh, home movie of the year was the movie that was filmed down under, that is in Australia, folks, mm, uh, it, which is called Babe, film of the year. The comedy of the year was, um, come on, Coach. Coach. It was coach, Norm. That's right. Thank you, Norm. Uh, so these awards are given to people in the secular world and all parts of the world who have made a valid contribution to the uplifting of humanity. We consider it an honor to get two angel awards. Mm -hmm. That's not the last you're going to hear about it either. 
The offering's coming up soon too. Mm -hmm. Exodus 20 verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. In verse 13, because we're going to deal with that soon, you shall not murder. But verse 12 first, the fifth commandment, which talks about the home. The Bible says that there's a relationship between the home and mother and father and longevity. The Bible says if you want to live long and be blessed, be happy, honor your father and your mother. But I want to say to fathers and mothers, if you want to be honored, you need to be honorable. Let me talk a little bit about the home now. The home, you know, is not a human invention. The church didn't make it up and the state didn't make it up, but God made it up. You read in the scriptures in Genesis chapter 1, I think it's verse 26 and 27, where it says, God said, let us make man in our image. Then the Bible says, in the image of God, he made them. And you know, as well as I do, you haven't heard this the first time, but God didn't make Adam and Steve, you know that. He made Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. The Bible says he caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the ribs, and out of the rib he made a woman. And Matthew Henry, the great commentator, said, and I'm going to say it, for the benefit of the men here today, that Eve wasn't made out of his head to rule over him, or out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be beloved. The home is the foundation of society. It is the foundation stone of civilization. Steve, I've got some papers here. No, no, not those. These, 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 these ones here. I want to read you from a person whom I appreciate very much who is doing a great work, I believe, for the Christian home. And that's Dr. James Dobson. Now, you don't have to agree with a person in everything to, to support them. And uh, I want to read you a little statement that he says here about mothers. I think this is a classic. Uh, he says, Dear friends, my letter this month is dedicated affectionately to today's parents and particularly to those special people we call mothers. There is no assignment on earth that requires the array of skills and understanding needed by a mum. He's a very intelligent man, Dr. Dobson, but he can't spell mum. He spells it M-O-M when we all know it is M-U-M. -M. But I'm sympathetic with him. He has a secretary, and she doesn't know how to spell mum. But if his secretary was my secretary, Susan, it would be M-U-M, because she has become educated by me in these things. Mm-hmm. There is no assignment on earth that requires the arrays of skills and understanding needed by a mum in fulfilling her everyday duties. She must be 
a resident psychologist, physician, theologian, educator, nurse, chef, taxi driver, fire marshal, and occasional police officer. And if she succeeds in each of these responsibilities, her reward is a quick hug from a rambunctious kid on his way out to play. To understand the world in which a young mother lives, join her on a mid-morning visit to the pediatrician's office. After sitting for 45 minutes with a cranky, feverish toddler on her lap, mum and baby are finally ushered into the examining room. The doctor checks out the sick child and then tells the woman with a straight face, be sure you keep him quiet for four or five days. Don't let him scratch the rash. Make certain he keeps the medicine down and you'll need to watch his stool. Sure, doctor. Any other suggestions? Just one. This disease is highly contagious. Keep your other four kids away from him. I'll see you in a week. The amazing thing is that most mothers would get this job done and they do it with love and tenderness. God made them good at what they do and he gave them a passion for their children. They would quite literally lay down their lives to protect the kids entrusted to their care. So I say today, God bless our mums. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. But children also need a dad. Let me tell you something. When you read through the Bible when I was a young Christian, I found it a little bit hard with the chapters that are just filled with begots. You know those chapters? He begot so-and-so and he begot so-and-so and he begot so-and-so. It took me for a while to even know what it was talking about. But let me say this. If you beget, don't forget what you begot. Hmm? Do you like that? Hmm. I worked on that for a while last night. And it came to me when I was in the shower. If you beget, don't forget what you begot. I believe that statement is worthy of a golden angel. If you beget, don't forget what you begot. Listen to this. In one section of our society, 80 to 100% of children are born illegitimate. Their fathers talk about scoring hits. I scored another hit today or last night. Anybody can beget. It takes a man to be a father. What is the legacy of these irresponsible people? Poverty, crime, gangs. We have a man in our congregation. I had the privilege of baptizing Harry Bay. Harry is here today, next Sabbath. He's going to give testimony. I'm going to inter inter interview him. Harry is a famous person. Harry has received citations from the President of the United States, the Governor of California, from the U.S. Congress, 
so many, sensor, uh, so many tributes that you just can't mention them all. Dozens and dozens. Harry is a Christian leader who works with gangs. He's a member of this church, was baptized into this church. Next Sabbath, I'm going to interview him. He's going to talk about what is going on in the gangs. Would you like to know one reason why so many young people join gangs? It's because they're looking for a father. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, honor your father and your mother, but nobody's going to honor those fathers. They don't deserve honor. They deserve to be locked up and the key thrown away. Fathers to be honored need to be honorable. The children that they beget and then forget are 20 times more likely to become criminals. If you get shot in North America, it's quite likely you're going to be shot by a kid of 9 or 10 or 11 or 12 who has no idea at all of right and wrong. And in his eyes there is nothing. Because I have looked into the eyes of some of them. Fathers are called to be leaders, and a father is called to be the priest of his home. I'm going to say some things now that some people in the extreme part of the women's liberation movement are not going to like, but I believe it's biblical, and I'm going to say it. I believe that the father is called to be the leader in his home and to be the priest of his home. I believe that. Now, I'll give you a text for it. I can give you plenty of texts. I'm going to turn to uh, Genesis chapter 18 and verse 18 and 19. Genesis 18 verse 18 and 19. God is speaking about Abraham that means honorable father. Honorable, worthy, honorable father. That's what Abraham means. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. God said, I've chosen this man, and I've chosen him to be the priest of his family. Listen carefully, all the fathers here. It is not the wife's responsibility to call the children together for worship. It is yours. If the wife does it, it's because you have abdicated your responsibility. In many homes, the wife has to be almost the father and the priest because the father apparently is impotent in his spiritual qualifications. The father is the priest of the home and is responsible for calling the family for worship. If the mother does it, God bless her, but she does it because the father is not fulfilling his responsibility. Something awful has happened in this country, in my own country. Fathers are walking away from leadership roles. Men are walking away from leadership roles and are surrendering. This is why one of the main reasons we have the women's lib movement, 
because men are not doing what God called them to do. I'm going to read you a statement here, and I will tell you whom it is from, and I don't apologize. It's Dan Quayle's famous Murphy Brown speech that he gave in 1992. He was castigated. Every comedian on television laughed at him. All of the, almost all the television producers and directors laughed at him and berated him. Johnny Carson was spending his last week, thank God, on television and said, I want to thank the vice president who's made this last week so easy because I've got so many jokes out of this speech. Listen to the speech. Right now, the failure of our families is hurting America deeply. Funny, isn't it? When families fall, society falls, the anarchy and lack of structure in our inner cities are testament to how quickly civilization falls apart when the family foundation cracks. Children need love and discipline. They need mothers and fathers. A welfare check is not a husband. The state is not a father. It is from parents that children come to understand values in themselves as men and women, mothers and fathers. And for those concerned about children growing up in poverty, we should know this. Marriage is probably the best anti-poverty program of all. Among families headed by married couples today, there is a poverty rate of 5.7%. But 33.4% of families headed by a single mother are in poverty today. Nature abhors a vacuum. Where there are no mature, responsible men around to teach boys how to become good men, gangs serve in their place. In fact, gangs have become a surrogate family for much of a generation of inner-city boys. I recently visited with some former gang members in Albuquerque, New Mexico. In a private meeting, they told me why they had joined gangs. These teenage boys said that gangs gave them a sense of security. They made them feel wanted and useful. They got support from their friends, and they said it was like having a family. Like family, unfortunately, that says it all. The system perpetuates itself as these young men father children whom they have no intention of caring for by women whose welfare check supports them. Teenage girls mired in the same hopelessness lack sufficient motive to say no to this trap. Answers to our problems won't be easy. We can start by dismantling a welfare system that encourages dependency and subsidizes broken families. We can attach conditions such as school attendance or work to welfare. We can limit the time a recipient gets benefits. We can stop penalize, penalizing marriage for welfare mothers. We can enforce child support payment. Ultimately, however, marriage is a moral issue that requires cultural consensus and the use of social sanctions. Bearing babies irresponsibly is simply wrong. Failure to support children one has fathered is wrong. We must be unequivocal about this. It doesn't help matters when primetime TV has Murphy Brown, a character who supposedly epitomizes today's intelligent, highly paid professional woman, mocking the importance of a father by bearing a child alone and calling it just another lifestyle choice. I know it is not fashionable to talk about moral values, but we need to do it. Even though our cultural leaders in Hollywood, network TV, the national newspapers routinely jeer at them, I think that most of us in this room know that, that some things are good and other things are wrong. Now it is time to make the discussion public. 
It's time to talk about our family, hard work, integrity, and personal responsibility. We cannot be embarrassed out of our beliefs that two parents married to each other are better in most cases for children than one. That honest work is better than handouts or crime. That we are our brother's keepers. That it is worth making an effort even when our rewards are not immediate. What's funny about that? But the press and the Johnny Carsons and the LA Times and Newsweek laughed their heads off and they said that will finish him and it did I support what he said a million percent it is time when we all stood up for old-fashioned values like marriage and mums and dads the home for hard work, honesty, and integrity. There are some things worth fighting for. Honor your father and your mother. To be honored, you need to be honored. What about single parents? I want to say to the single persons who are watching on television, God gives more grace. As you follow him, God will bless you. Look at this book here. I want to say to every single parent, every person, read this book, Gifted Hands, the Ben Carson story. I say it to Jesse Jackson. Jesse Jackson says, you're in such a bad way that nothing can help you. You're victims. Thank God. This man had a mother, even when the father walked out. Father walked out, left this boy at his mum. You know what that black woman taught that boy in a ghetto? A black boy in a ghetto. She said, you can be what God wants you to be. You can rise above it. You can rise above racism. You can rise above poverty. And she taught him it was a sin to take a hand out. <laughs> he could only apply for, to one university because it cost $10 for the application fee. Why didn't he borrow it? Because he said, it's wrong to borrow. Ben Carson, God bless him. Great man, great physician. One of God's golden eagles flying high. Mm -hmm. Commandment number six, don't murder. This upholds the sanctity of life. Why is human life so sacred? Because we're made by God. We're not related to the animals. Now, we have a new person, sort of, living in our house. A French poodle, whose name is Kelly. His color is apricot. He is carefully cared for by Beverly. On occasion, he even gets his hair done. He does. His nails are done. Oh, to be a poodle. We love Kelly. He has, Beverly has a special chair in the living room. His place is to come and sit on the back of the chair and snuggle into her neck and kiss her neck. Mm -hmm. Very affectionate. He's a great little dog, but he's not my cousin. <laughs> I'm not related to Kelly. He's not related to me. God made animals for us.
but he made us for himself. Did you hear this? Many people in the environmental movement, and I, I'm for looking after the environment, but they almost go and kiss and hug trees. Hello, brother tree. Hello, sister spotted owl. The spotted owl is worth protecting, but the spotted owl is not my sister. And the tree, with all respects to Al Gore, is not my brother. I'm a child of God. There are various ways that people take life with guns and knives here in Los Angeles. In Bosnia, mass graves. I don't want to get into this, but I want you need to know where I stand on this. I do not believe in abortion on demand. I do not support the idea that two million babies, I don't like to use even the word fetus, because that which is in the mother's womb is a baby and a child of God. Now I understand, and I know some in the religious fundamentalistic movement would disagree with me. I would agree with abortion for some things such as incest, where a girl is raped. But when you're talking about abortion being used as birth control, I think it's dead wrong. And I believe that a judgment is coming upon this nation. Did you know? Oh, I, I won't tell you about it. I'll tell it to you quick. In a vast building, some folks got into that building and it was filled with thousands of bottles, tens of thousands of bottles with babies in them. I hadn't worked out where they were going to put them. Now, if there's someone here, you're being offended, let me say this to you. I'm not in this work for a popularity contest. I have occasioned some people write me letters they say, you know, people won't like what you say. Quite frankly, I don't care. I am not ordained as a minister to run a popularity contest. Besides, I've got two angels, so I'm ahead anyhow, so you say. So I'm going to say a few stronger things, okay. I believe that we should not be judgmental about people who have abortions. I believe that we ought to put our arms of love around people to have them. And girls that get pregnant out of wedlock, we ought to encourage them to have their babies. And if they don't have families, we ought to make them our family. I believe that's the solution. I believe that we have so much crime today, largely because of the influence of television. Violence on TV leads to violent behavior. I applaud that they're thinking of getting a chip to put in TVs so mothers and fathers can get rid of porno. We become what we behold. If you behold pornography, you become a pornographic person. If you behold violence, whether it's Clint Eastwood or I don't know who, if you love the Rambo stuff, then it's going to hurt you. Some of the crazy people in the television industry say, no, television doesn't change your behavior. But that's why we want to sell you television ads. A 30-60 minute program on violence won't change your behavior, but look at a 30 second commercial, it'll tell you what to buy.
What hypocrisy. We become what we behold, and that's why I encourage all of my church members, read the Bible. Read it every day. Look to Jesus. But Jesus told us there's another way we can murder. In Matthew 5, 21 and 22, Jesus said, if you get angry with your brother, it's murder. Did you know that? Jesus said, don't even be angry. And Paul said in Galatians 5, verse 13 to 15, you can write this text down, Galatians 5, 13 to 15, that you can murder by character, assassination, by gossip, and by slander. If you spread a story about a man or a woman, you are destroying his reputation, and you are destroying his life. That is breaking the commandment that says, don't murder. Only a person filled with the love of God can keep these commandments. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 2 and 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. When I went to Julie's graduation, when Beverly and I went, when she graduated from the academy out at Thousand Oaks, Julie sang a song, Love Makes the World Go Round. I was proud of her. She said, how was it, Dad? I said, the best song I've ever heard, sung by the sweetest and the best-looking girl. Mm -hmm. It's true. Love makes the world go round. Listen, there are two great mountains in history. One is Mount Sinai with the law of God. Don't despise it. There's a sec second mountain in history. It is Mount Calvary. I want you to think today of Mount Calvary. And think of the lawgiver hanging on the cross. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. In him, you see so much love. And when you look at him and see him suffering and bearing our shame, because he loves us, into our hearts comes the most powerful emotion in the universe, that is love. And when you love him, then by his grace, you will keep his commandments.